0: Welcome to Export the Sound. I'm your host, Ben Ma. In today's episode, I'm joined by Stephen Dowler, head of Asia Pacific at MonsterCat. We talk about MonsterCat's distribution approach across the variety of channels in the region, the label's community building efforts, both online and offline, and the particular case study of Dexter King, a leading house producer and DJ from China. Welcome to Export the Sound. Joining me today is Stephen Dowler, head of Asia Pacific at the electronic music label Monster Cat. Stephen has been at the forefront of electronic and dance music in Asia for over a decade, helping to organize festivals, build brands, foster dance music communities, and most recently, take the reins and do it all as the Asia-Pacific Territory lead at Canadian-based brand, Monster Cat. Stephen, it is fantastic to have you on the show, and I'm really looking forward to hearing what you have to say today.
1: Hey, thanks for having me, Ben.
0: So, I guess just getting started to introduce yourself for our audience, what was your journey over the last you know, 10 plus years to get to the chair you're in right now in Singapore.
1: Yeah. So I guess I, I, I started in finance. I was originally in China as a foreign exchange student and I studied international finance, went into finance, international finance immediately after hated it through parties to save my sanity. Parties turned to festivals, uh, festivals turned to, uh, Actually, a, a, a DSP, um, DSP turned to distribution, and distribution turned to label. So that's that's the short of it. And now I'm here at, at Monster Cat as head of Asia Pacific.
0: Could you also just briefly introduce Monster Cat for any listeners who aren't familiar with the label?
1: Sure, yeah. Monster Cat's been around for about 11-ish years, 11, 12 years going on. We are a, I would say, world's leading independent electronic music label. I I like to think of us as a a major minor, (laughs) Um, (laughs) if you will. We've got three different labels within the company. The first one and the one that is probably most congruent with The roots of the company is called Uncaged. It is bass music. In fact, I I don't even like genres. I like to call it ferocious, high-impact, heavy, heavy monster sound, if you will. Then we have Monster Cat Instinct, which is much more of a vocal-driven, fun, melodic, type of music to keep the party going. And then most recently, we acquired a label called Silk, Monster Cat Silk, and that is much more chilled out, emotive, euphoric type of sounds. We release five tracks a week and, you know, have everything on a non-exclusive basis, 50-50. It's Art of Philosophy not just our, our deal terms. And we are forefront of the industry in terms of music and gaming. We have a live department as well. You know, We've had stages at all the major festivals like Tomorrowland, EDC, and you know, all, all over the world. I, I didn't even mention our artists. <laughs> mm. So we've worked with a, a number of artists, given that we have a non-exclusive type of deal, some that you may have heard of would be, you know, people like Marshmello, who we gave his first triple platinum record. More recently, with people like Excision, Cascade, and you know, Pegboard Nerds. So many
0: throughout the years. I, I definitely have been listening to some of those artists. I mean, they're they're the ones that've been around a while, even. And I know there's some really new talent that's also super exciting, which we'll be getting into in just a moment. But there is one thing that I've been curious about with Monster Cat's release schedule and strategy, which is a little bit different, I think, than some others in the industry, which is that it seems to be almost entirely single-based releases, not necessarily EP or album-length releases. And I was wondering why the label chooses to release in that way. So we definitely do release
1: EPs and albums as well, but often as part of the new format of, of the industry, people have less attention span. And so it seems to be in the artist's interests and, and the label's interests to you know give more focus to each individual track. And so often what you'll see is you'll have a few tracks that will be released as singles and then... You drop an EP or an album that include those singles and generally speaking more than half um, new music within that asset
0: gotcha gotcha yeah i think I think it is definitely a trend that we all keep on the top of our minds now the whole shortening attention span thing and i think it's not just necessarily attention spans but also the the formats and platforms when you can pick and choose any song to play in any order as opposed to going on and buying a whole record and you have to play every song on the record let's let's drill down now from generally monster cat into the asia pacific region where you've been working for such a long time. And one thing that is um, particularly interesting about Asia Pacific in my mind is the plethora of local digital streaming platforms or DSPs. Are there ways that you can be efficient about licensing with them as a group in any way? Or is it really a platform by platform basis from the largest ones like Spotify, Tencent Music, you know, the big hitters to the more local DSP platforms.
1: You know, the structure of the music industry is, of course, such that you can work with people like distributors for the the rights, for the recordings of your music to get them on to multiple platforms at once. You know, we can list off a bunch of these. We tend to use Fuga. We use Fuga primarily for its delivery capabilities as opposed to its aggregation, because the distribution is more of a mechanic that helps you get the content delivered to the, the different platforms, whereas aggregators, they tend to do the deals for you, and so you don't really have to think about it. They just do all the busy work, right? We do direct with all of the major players in terms of deals, and, and, and in a number of them, deliver directly as well with DDEX, but for ones that we don't f- find as efficient to go direct for the actual delivery of the content, not the deals, we will use Fuga's services for that. And, and you know, there's, there's, a, there's a hundred of those out there. Then you've got publishers, you know, such as cobalt for example who do a similar thing for us on the on the publishing side and then there's always going with the model of if you're from an artist perspective you can go to a you know a distro kit or a tune core or, or something to that effect for for whatever your needs are but if you're a label you can always do a label partnership right and work with people on the ground in certain territories who have more pull and more of a presence I guess you could say in in that region and presumably with those DSPs we've been pretty good we've got direct deals and direct edi- editorial content with just about everybody certainly most of the people that are putting out dollar values mm-hmm. yeah and then of course you can go direct right
0: <laughs> gotcha of course Yeah. So it sounds like it it really is an involved question. There's no one answer fits all. You know, you use Fuga as an aggregator sometimes, but then it seems like there's value to be captured going directly or having label partnerships in other cases. Is that right?
1: So again, we use Fuga as a distributor for the most Mm. part. Uh, You know, so we have have direct, there's, you have to define the difference between deals and, and delivery, right? Some we do, like with Tencent or NetEase, for example, we, we do direct deals and direct delivery, right? Others, we have direct deals, but we will have, we will use Fuga's service for delivering. For the the fringe stuff would be where we would maybe use some aggregation service.
0: Thanks for, for that intro on on the, I guess, business side. I'd like to transition a little bit more into a little bit more story time and more, I guess, the community building aspect of your job and of what Monster Cat wants to do in Asia Pacific. One thing that you mentioned to me earlier that caught my attention was the launch party of Monster Cat's Singapore office with a full roster of artists representing a bunch of different Asia Pacific territories. I was wondering if we could use that party as maybe an introduction to the kinds of artists that y'all have been fostering and partnering with in the Asia-Pacific region. Who was at this party and what kind of artists were playing?
1: Yeah, so it was kind of a proud moment. We were able to create a showcase at a music conference called All That Matters, which I'll elaborate on in just a second. But we had an all Asian lineup, which was um, it it was just a good feeling to be able to put them in the limelight for so many movers and shakers within the industry, right in the heart of Clark Key, which is the I guess the main nightlife and tourism district in essentially on uh, on top of an f1 car or with an f1 car on the stage in the middle of um, f one grand Prix season so so that was that was a pretty cool project that we were able to get across the line. Some of the artists that we had were Myrn, who is one of our one of our first artists out of out of APAC that we've worked with, as well as a new local Singaporean blood, and Murn also being Singaporean, Foxella. And we also had some singers come on, such as Haneri, formerly known as Daphne Koo, also Singaporean, and, and Tabitha Nauser. But then we were also Singaporean. And then we were also able to bring in people like Huaprox from, from Vietnam and uh, Weird Genius, for from from Indonesia, and so it was just, it was a it, w- it was a really neat opportunity to shine some light on our Asian talent while giving Weird Genius, for example, a, a chance to headline a show outside of their home country, which which is just a good feel and a good look, right? So that was not without its fair share of challenges, of course, you know, but we were able to pull it off with uh, Grand Prix Season Singapore in, in partnership with, with the organization, which was great, and, uh, and as an after party as well for All That Matters, which is where the story of Monster Cat Singapore, I guess, really started because the guy who I was brought onto the company with. I or by I met here at All That Matters, which is, I would venture to say, the most important music conference in Asia.
0: It sounds like the the show was both a culmination of a lot of community building that's gone before, as well as maybe a launching point for some of these artists internationally. What what other kinds of community building, live events, and art efforts? What else is part of this broader initiative that was able to make this party possible?
1: I guess, you know, (laughs) the precedent starts in Vancouver with our headquarters with Compound, where we have a a festival that we organize and promote that's been going on for years now and growing really fast. I think the last one we had upwards of 10,000 this year, we are now moving into a larger venue, and uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's becoming a, a real big deal. And so that, I guess, on the live side gave precedent, so it made sense for us to throw our own party. Generally speaking, we work with other promoters, and so we kind of allow them to use our brand, and you know, we'll, of course, provide support and help with... Picking artists and, and uh, you know, merch and all this kind of fun stuff for, uh, for, for, for their events, right? And so that's been a very successful model for us. You know, that's, that's how we've gotten stage takeovers and club nights and residencies all around the world. Beyond the live stuff, uh, I would say that we, in terms of, of building communities... We've we've always approached our different territories out here in, in APAC from maybe a what would it be a four prong one being community first and foremost. Also, A and R. Well, I should say we need to get our music available to the people first and foremost. So that that has to do with getting things onto. The different platforms that are used in that area right and then you want e- events like I mentioned so that way that's part of the community but also you want this so that's an offline community and you want an online community as well and so we have a number of different story specific or I should say language specific communities because the the number one thing that or my my, my golden rule when it comes to communication in general, right, is to communicate with your target audience in the way that they best receive it. And oftentimes that means in their own language, right? So we've built online communities in, of course, China. We're on many, many platforms there and have our own superfan WeChat group. Um, We have a... Facebook group in Vietnam. We have Instagram and a Kakao group chat in for Korea. We have a a TikTok for Indonesia, Twitter for Japan, and and are you know constantly building these out. There are more, but I'll spare you. So so that's that's been a big part of it. You want to give these people someone to rally behind, right? You want to be part of the community. Is really what it is we have a major philosophy where we are really not trying to just push content or push, I guess you could say, you know, Western narrative or Western music down the throats of others. And, you know, people out here, it's a two way street, right? We're also trying to uplift and build people out here. And so, you know, we, we have, uh, artists, like I said, from from Vietnam, from China, from Korea, from Japan, from Singapore, from, from all over Asia, right?
0: And, you know, Indonesia and, and, and on and on. Australia, APAC. <laughs> Sounds like there is a lot of legwork that goes into it. But I guess that is, I, I mean, it, it's clearly paying dividends. And I think that the representation factor that you mentioned is a huge one of having in each market, you know, artists from that market to to lead the charge is really special, I'm sure, especially coming from a label that's, you know, based in Canada, based in the West, but still uplifting local voices. Have you found that um, the artists who are originally from a given market are particular favorites or even like that's their best market there or vice versa for the fans? They tend to prefer... Artists from the market, most of all.
1: No, I wouldn't say that. I, I, you know, in certain cases, certainly, but it's definitely not a rule of thumb. Some some artists perform better overseas. Some artists perform better in their own markets. I can't I can't give you a one size fits all answer for that. There is logic behind it being easier to first grow in your own territory and then overseas, right? And that's because of things like visas, because it's so important to have a live strategy quite often, right? Although yeah. it, it's, not, it's not always necessary. There are other ways of, I guess you could say, cracking the nut to become successful, right? So it, it's not always dependent upon your territory.
0: Gotcha. Yeah, I think that one thing that's been on my mind when we talk about electronic music as an international phenomenon is that although Asia Pacific as a region has so many different languages, so much diversity in in culture and language, with electronic music as a genre, I'm wondering if it lends itself well to cross-cultural sharing because usually the lyrics actually aren't as much of a focus compared to other genres such as pop or rap.
1: Yeah, you know, I would say I've always sort of touted that this is that this is the case, which when I was in China specifically, really helped me as we were doing sort of an educational campaign to teach people what electronic music is beyond even just the term electronic music. Originally, it was just music that people um heard in clubs while they were drinking. Right. So it, you know, it, and it, and it was able to grow to, I think in our, in that report that we read in the water and music global rights session, it was what, what was it? The, the number three in China, a few years back, number three genre in China and China, according to that report. And so obviously it was, it was able to become quite successful, but you know, that doesn't mean that that's, always the way to go sometimes you like I said you do want to communicate with people in ways that they best receive it sometimes that means talking to them you know sometimes you can just feel oftentimes you can feel the vibes but sometimes they like to be able to sing along and so we've done a number of songs that are in other languages as well and but when doing that you know we do try and keep it to having the the hooks be sort of Simple, as is the case with many, but in terms of language as well, to where the hooks are either English, so they're more marketable, as you see with K-pop and that kind of stuff, or with simple words from that language that many people know.
0: Well, let's change gears now and move into a case study that I wanted to dive into with you, which is Monster Cat's first ventures into the Chinese market as context for getting into Dexter King's case study.
1: You know, I guess it all sort of started with Daniel Turcott, the guy who brought me on that I mentioned earlier. He came out to China in, what was it, 2016, 2017, and was able to do some incredible work by making non-exclusive deals with, or direct deals with both Tencent and NetEase, which was really just unheard of at the time. And so we got our music out there, did our first event in 2017, then from there went to work with a company called Groove Dynasty. They started managing our social account on, on Netties. And, and then, you know, from there in 2018, I came on and, uh, really just sort of expanded on everything that we were doing. So, you know, we went from doing just Netties to, you know netease qq weibo wechat wechat super fan group billy billy eventually Douyin, and 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 on and on because of course china is its own ecosystem to to really embody that ecosystem and uh, and, and as at the same time expand our channels of revenue so working with other companies like you know, ByteDance and and Alibaba direct as well. Also, renegotiating some of these deals to to get better splits and in terms and and all of this and expand sort of our live presence as well. So we ended up being, I think, in twenty nineteen, the most present. Uh, electronic music label at shows and festivals around China. And, uh, and that was a really good feeling because it really just put us at the top of the pile. We had, uh, we've grown our, our community to, our largest community on, on Netties to 156,000. And uh, from there, we, we wanted to, of course, work with the artists in China as well and, and kind of export that sound. And so we have a annual party at the Electronic Music Conference ADE Amsterdam dance event in the heart of Amsterdam at the Melkweg. And so we gave them a a slot each to perform at this huge event that we do, which is, you know, multiple rooms and, you know, the line goes around the block or blocks. And it also worked with a group called the House of China. And the House of China, they worked in partnership with ADE to organize all of the China content. We started off with three Chinese artists, as you mentioned, Dexter King, Yako,
0: and, and Terry Jong. We've worked with many, many more since then. Thanks for giving the context on Monster Cat's entry into the Chinese market, which, as you mentioned, can sometimes feel like a whole other planet on its own with the ecosystem that they have there. Certainly a challenging one to enter, but the rewards are great. Narrowing down now to the case of Dexter King as an artist, as you mentioned, one of the first few that were on, that collaborated with Monster Cat from China. And I was wondering, what are some of the key parts of Dexter King's export strategy that y'all have been working on beyond, you know, that initial push of, Sending him to ADE. What else has been part of the export strategy for Dexter King? Of course,
1: collaborations are a big one. So we we set him up with different top lines and you know to get him sort of involved in our community. But with Dexter it was it was interesting because we really wanted to kind of build him as his own artist first instead of just coming straight out the gate with with collaborations. And so but so, so we started with the top line there instead of like a producer collaboration strategy, and uh, we're able to to kind of build him and his sound in that way. Most recently, we were able to give him a collaboration with uh, Dada Life, which is a pretty pretty serious name in electronic music. with that track and with others that we've done with Dexter we were able to also use our gaming arm and so we put him into rocket league and and you know we've put other stuff into fortnite and and other gaming opportunities as well and this it, it would almost go without saying does wonders for promoting the track and um and and really getting him a fan base that that's international, you know, not just where he is, where he's born.
0: Yeah, I can imagine getting number one victory royale to a Dexter King track from anywhere around the world is going to give you something to notice and think about.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's working pretty well for him so far. He I think he jeez, yeah, he got into DJ Mag's top 100. You know, he's he's been really slaying the live game recently funny story I was in my in my earlier days of electronic music I was a founder of the first electronic music festival in Shanghai called electronic MIDI and uh, and he was one of the guys I booked back in 2012 before you know it, it really hit the mainstream out there in China anyway So he's been around
0: for for a minute in the Chinese scene. And at the ground floor. Yeah, 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 he was. Collaborations between artists from different regions, like the one between Dexter King and Dada Life, it seems like something of a specialty for Monster Cat, at least. I notice it a lot more with Monster Cat than I have with other electronic labels. Is this something that is sort of an intentional strategy, something that is meant to help introduce artists into new regions?
1: (sighs) Yeah, you know, I'd say it's probably one of the easiest ways to target another demographic, right? So collaborations are important. You don't want to oversaturate the collaborations though. You have to keep a balance and make sure that they're not just getting their streams because of collaborations. You know, you, you, you wanna use that carefully because if if you look at somebody's account and you see all collaborations, then you kind of ra- get an eyebrow raised, right? Um, but if it's but if it's done tactfully, it can be a a really powerful tool tool in, in an artist's growth.
0: Okay, as we bring this interview towards a close, I wanted to end with an optimistic look for the future, which is MonsterCat's most exciting projects or goals for the Asia-Pacific region in 2023. If you are at liberty to divulge for us, what should we be looking forward to from Monster Cat in the region this year? So I got to tell you, Asia, uh, I think was hit
1: hardest by covid it started in asia and it and it really ended in asia i think and so it's really just starting to get going again in terms of the live scene you know we we talked about that office opening launch party in september of last year <laughs> <laughs> we we had to do that you know in in a matter of a couple of months because nobody was really sure what we were able to do and what we weren't able to do until you know until June and so so now that you're you're starting to see i think it was just last month or the month before china opened up and and promoters are now feeling confident enough to to really start putting effort and energy into planning this stuff out we have a a huge year out here in Asia where we used to do so, so well in, in live. So it's going to be really, really fun to just watch us sort of, I don't want to say reclaim that throne. I kind of do, you know, I'm just going to leave that ambiguous, but, but really, yeah, just sort of getting back in the saddle there and, and, and doing the live stuff. We've got a festival coming up in a couple of weeks Together Festival in in Bangkok, Thailand where we take over a stage two days in a row we've also got a show at Warp Tokyo with, with Masayoshi one of our Japanese artists and Adventure Club you know there's all kinds of artists that I could name off at the at the, the Bangkok Together Festival we've got World DJ Festival in Korea coming up I'm bullish on what we're going to be able to do there and just in the rest of the region, man, that's, that's really what, what gets my, my blood flowing over here is, is just kind of reclaiming that seat at the table, if you will.
0: The throne at the table. You didn't hear it here. <laughs> I, I kid, I kid. Incredible stuff. All right. Well, looking forward to that very much. And thank you for sharing your time with us today, Stephen. Stephen it was a true pleasure to have you in the studio. Yeah. Hey,
1: thanks for having me, Ben.
0: Thanks for listening to export the sound.